The Man in Line with Andy Wint. Goodbye, good afternoon. It's seven minutes after 12 midday. Man in line's on till one today, talking about Manx Care and also about the well, uh, Wellbeing Partnerships. Claire Bader and Gary Lauder here, they're leads in Wellbeing Partnerships. So anything you want to chat about, text, email, call or WhatsApp. Email studio at manxradio.com. Call 66 13 68 and you can WhatsApp 07624 And uh, the text is 16167. Uh, first of all, uh, good afternoon. Hi, uh, Teresa Cope. Good afternoon, Andy. Good. Uh, introduce uh, the people with you. They are? So, uh, Gary and Claire. And Gary heads up the Northern Wellbeing Partnership. Um, based up in Ramsey and Claire is uh, amongst other things the lead for the Western Wellbeing Partnership based in Peel but Claire also has additional responsibilities around sort of leading some of the frailty programme which we invested in last year Uh, so that's really developing uh, that offer um, around frailty around restratification uh, and management of the frailty pathway both in hospital and out into the community so Claire wears a number of hats okay uh, well-being partnership, what's the thinking behind them? It's really part of uh, an aspiration to move care more locally into the communities and make the best use of the community assets. So um, it is about putting um, what we call hubs into local communities, wrapping around the statutory services that we have, like GP practices, but also uh, really working with the volunteering community sectors and local communities. Gary and Claire are the experts on this, so they'll be able to tell you much more about it but it is part of an ongoing commitment that DHSC had made prior to Manx Care but also we've continued that commitment and over the next 12 months we're really going to accelerate that working of getting these geographical hubs really delivering the community response we talk a lot about what happens in the hospital I know we've talked a lot about mental health services both um, in our inpatient settings and the community and what we wanted to do today was really talk talk about these these partnerships which are so important but um our services, Manx Care Services, are just a very, very small part of that. Um, and, and what we do in those locality hubs is really work with our community and voluntary sector, uh, our, our GPs, our pharmacies, um, and all of those provisions which uh, make up community services. OK, uh, so a new way of working, really. Claire, whereabouts is the Western Wellbeing Partnership? Um, so we're located just opposite the main ShopRite car park in Peel, where next to where the old Corrin home is, and just just along from the GP practice. Okay, and so how do you dovetail in with existing services? Where you know where does the GP finish and you start, or vice versa? Uh, often we'll both send uh, people across the car park to each other and have a convers 
conversation about people. Uh, we provide space for services. Um, anyone who wants to meet with somebody in the Peel area can hire, book a room and just hold something closer to home. Uh, we've hosted a lot of the vaccination hubs over in Peel and it just allows people to be able to access that vaccination without having to jump on a bus or get in a car or a taxi and just, just pop in. What are the opening hours? Um, same as uh, any health pro- health area really, kind of 9, 8.30 through till about 5, 5.30 but the rooms are available uh, for booking uh, so if you're working with a statutory service or third sector with a contract with Manx Care you can take responsibility and lock up the centre in the evening or open it much earlier in the morning if you want to. Okay, Gary, uh, whereabouts are you based? Okay, so we we don't have a centre yet. Uh, myself and Caroline, my uh, colleague who's a referral coordinator in the team are based uh, at Mount View House uh, where the district nurses and the long-term condition nurse and the social workers are based. So we, we're, we're actually at soft launch phase at this stage. We have a great relationship with the GP practice and we receive all the ref- referrals from the GPs, but we don't have a front of house as it stands uh, in the same way that the West and the South do have the front of house. I mean, we are, we are starting from the uh, 3rd of April to be offering a um a front of house at the at the town hall but that's once a week okay uh, we do we we're working towards getting a base so at this stage uh that we don't have apart from that monday yeah. anywhere for the public so to whereabouts in. in the town hall will it be upstairs or downstairs? It, just in the t- downstairs at the town hall be downstairs. Yeah, yeah. there'll be a it. table caroline and i'll be there from monday okay uh, that's monday every monday 10 to midday midday 45 till till four o'clock yes. starting yeah. uh that's the monday before easter isn't it yes it yeah. is yeah yeah that's when we start and we'll be doing that weekly Okay. Uh, uh, Teresa Cope, how many other wellbeing parents? That's the West and that's the North. Where's mm. the other one? So there's one in the South, which is um, established. And um, uh, and we are currently uh, developing our plans to place either one or two in the East. Um, there was always a commitment to have two wellbeing partnerships in the East because of the sort of large geography it serves. Uh, but we're just currently looking at where we could locate that, what that looks like. As I say, it's been a long-standing commitment. We, we knew we were doing the west first as that initial pilot uh, then the north uh, sorry then the south then the north um, and we've got the east left to do but um, over the course of the next 12 months we'll definitely get that east partnership launched okay uh, some questions coming in now this is a, a question for Teresa cope uh, what's the latest position regarding the ophthalmology department at nobles have the various um uh, UK appointments for serious conditions like glaucoma been resolved. John's a worried glaucoma sufferer. Yes, thank you, Andy. Um, so we continue to have um, a blended model of service delivery. Uh, so we continue to work in conjunction with Synaptic for delivering uh, our surgery aspect of, um, of ophthalmology. So the cataract surgery, which is, is continuing to go, go very well. Um, but some good news is we last week recruited two new consultant ophthalmologists. So we have been running with just one consultant and locum staff supporting that service to continue Uh, but it's really good news that we had nine applicants for our consultant ophthalmology post and we have recruited two two new consultants who will be joining us very shortly. Uh, Okay and uh, just another one to run a pencil portrait over. What's the the DHEC stroke Manx Care's relationship with the Great North Air Ambulance? How long is that contract for? 
So it's been um, in pilot phase. So you'll recall that um, the Airbridge was one of Sir Jonathan Michael's um, recommendations, one of his 26 recommendations. We've had that service up and running for about um, a year um, under a pilot phase, and we will be continuing that contract for a further year to be able to explore how we further use that opportunity of having the GNAS Airbridge. Um, and then Manx Care will take over the funding of that going forward. Uh, so it is a long-term commitment for both DHSC and Manx Care as part of those transformation recommendations. Okay. Is it better value for money than what was there before? Um, it sits alongside. So um, it is not replacing the existing fixed wing aircraft that we currently have. This is an additional offer uh, which will enable us to enhance the service offer and transfer uh, patients off island more quickly and develop new pathways with the northwest uh, for when we need that emergency transfer. So um, it doesn't replace our fixed wing aircraft. It just adds to uh, the existing complement of, of how we transport patients uh, in the best way possible when we need that. OK, uh, as a message for this is the Western Whale being partnership, uh, who do I call then to get a referral? to the Western Wellbeing Partnership. Do I call the Western Wellbeing Partnership or the GP? Uh, you can call us directly. So about 5 to 10% of our referrals every month are from people or from their relatives or their neighbours or carers. All you need to do is to have consent if you're referring somebody else. Uh, make sure that you've told them that, that you're talking to them about us. Um, and just give us a ring or pop in. Uh, we're there from 9 to 5 every day. And our number is 685846. Okay, six eight five eight four six. And how do you, uh, Claire? Uh, how do you stop any confusion, any kind of obfuscation between GP and Western Wellbeing Partnership? So we work very much hand in hand with the GPs. Obviously, if someone comes in uh, with something that's medical, we will advise them strongly to go make an appointment with a GP, um, and you know, just also point out that they've got some advanced practice nurses and a new paramedic working at the GP practice, which is fantastic. So there's a range of opportunities for people to see people. So, and we also remind people that we're not an emergency service so crisis uh, meds and uh, ed and um right the miu are still very much uh, first point of calls but we will take people we will talk to them we'll signpost them or take referrals on handle things depending on what's appropriate any clinical staff on site uh, we don't work in a clinical capacity as the referral coordinators and the leads what we'll do is we'll listen to people and then uh, if there are uh, clinical people having appointments sometimes they're drop-ins and we'll refer you to go and see someone as a drop-in um, or otherwise we'll take the referral and then pass that through to a clinical practitioner team uh, and we have weekly meetings where we'll kind of pull ideas together and share ideas as practitioners to kind of come up with what's best in terms of care for a person. Okay, as a message in from Harry. Uh, for Gary saying there's lots of space at Ramsey Cottage Hospital why can't you go there? <laughs> um, well, I'm I, 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 certainly something we could we could look into. Um, I mean part of, part of the thing that I most like about the wellbeing partnerships is, is kind of the distance from the health uh, from from the hospital. The idea is it should be that we're looking at alternatives to um, you know to health interventions. I, the, the cottage hospital is, isn't ruled out, but ultimately um, the the idea of having a having a centre outside somewhere that's more accessible that isn't hospital related is is potentially more uh, beneficial. Uh, okay, uh, and uh, also uh, just regarding managing uh, things like mental health as well. Do you see the wellbeing partnership as a bridge in any way? Hmm. 
Uh, Brit, just, just explain what you mean by that. Um, well, obviously, it's a different environment to a clinical environment. Do you, okay. do you see the wellbeing partnership as something that's a kind of, if you like, a soft launch to that, to people's okay. treatment? Absolutely. I, I think from certainly from my point of view, and the thing that most ex- excites me about it is this idea of intervening early. So particularly with mental health, a perfect example that often people, when they do struggle with mental health issues, it often starts um, low and, and escalates. So and, and it's difficult sometimes to get to get referrals through to mental health services. So which is why we in the wellbeing partnerships don't have a referral criteria. You can contact us about any issue. So if you know loneliness, boredom, if these these things are having an impact on your life, then you contact the wellbeing partnerships. Because the idea is if we intervene early, we stop things escalating okay uh, uh, sorry, so, this, is, this is why the voluntary and community sector andy mm-hmm. is so um important in that partnership space because they are the people who connect so well into communities in a way that perhaps health and care services that are statutorily delivered can't so so the partnerships with all of those <coughs> voluntary and community sector organizations in those localities gives us both the um the intelligence and the support but also you know the the services that we can connect people to it it is about connecting people into lots of different elements of service which can help them which we hope prevents them needing statutory health and social care going forward and that's that's sort of the the integrity of that sort of model um, and that's what we're working to which is why you know the voluntary and community sector are such a, an integral part of this okay here's a message in from Alison just uh, regarding this uh, obviously uh, money is always tight regarding Ma- is money tight regarding Manx Care? Um, yes, it is. Okay. Yes. And this all joins in uh, things like recruitment, retention, expanding the population of the Isle of Man, uh, and uh, and obviously you're relying quite heavily on bank and agency staff at mm. the moment. Mm. I mean, how much of uh, well, the question in this is from Alison, just to say, uh, how much do you expect to spend on bank and agency staff this year? Um, well, we've we've been very clear around um, what our level of, of vacancy uh, factor is. So we're still running at at twenty percent vacancy factor across the organisation, which means one in five posts of our establishment are vacant, and we tend to fill um, around half of that uh, by using our own staff doing additional hours. So that's clusters bank, and about half of that um, with agency staff. We do want to. Um, reduce the dependency on agency and I am pleased that we are starting to see more substantive recruitment certainly amongst more senior posts and the medical workforce Um, there's only one recruitment um, of a consultant post that we haven't managed to uh, secure somebody into that post since Manx Care started and that is a very hard to recruit specialty Um, but we absolutely want to see the the dependency on agency reduced And that's why our workforce plans talk about um, doubling the number of nurse training places on island and increasing the bursary to make it more attractive to secure 50 nurses being trained on island each year rather than 2025. I mean, do you see it as uh, Manx Care's problem to solve in that Manx Care can't make the housing situation any better it's not within your power you can't make the isle of man a better place to live you can't put up theme parks or more cinemas or pubs and clubs so you can't make the isle of man a better place to live Mm. so 
in a way you're kind of sweeping up after the fact that and you've told me before there's a global shortage of clinical staff yeah so yeah. you can only work with what you're given do you think government needs to take a bit of a lead on this Yes, and I, I do think we're starting to see um, some some real sort of commitment to that, and and the recognition that we uh, we all need to solve this across a number of sectors. Um, you know, Manx Care absolutely has a role to play in making the organisation an attractive place to work, um, and making the individual roles for health and care professionals uh, attractive. And I think as an integrated health and care organisation, we have and can offer some benefits around rotational posts uh, we have real breadth even though we are on a small scale we have real breadth of roles across the organisation Whoa steady the <laughs> rotational post so, so if you're a for example um, let me think a physiotherapy uh, a physio physiotherapist, you can um, have a rotation within Manx Care, which sees you have some time in hospital-based services, in community-based services. You could transfer into mental health if you wish. There are connectivity between social care. As a as a professional, that is often incredibly satisfying to be able to um, work in an integrated health and care organisation where you can follow a patient through from the very start of their journey to the very end of their journey um, and have that um, flexibility of how you follow patients. Um, you're not having to commit to say, I'm only going to work in a hospital and that's where my role needs to start and end. And I do think we have to be more um, innovative uh, around how we achieve that and more flexible. But we have talked to our staff side colleagues and our professionals and we can definitely create that. So that is within our gift, Andy. But you're quite right. You know, we have to sell the benefits of the island, but also things like housing, um, certainly for newly registered yeah. professionals, has to be affordable um, and we have to have sufficient supply. I mean, do you have a seat at the table regarding housing mm. policy? Yes, I we mean, do. Do you, do you have something to say? Yes. Yes, yes, we do. And I think we've had the opportunity. Um, because, uh, just let me, sorry to interrupt, no, no. but the fact that we, there's not suitable housing for clinical staff, medical staff, support staff, puts your costs up because obviously you're having to recruit from other sectors because you can't get permanent people, some people that come leave, and it's a vicious circle that goes down. So they'd increase Manx Care's cost, and that's that's an island policy, the fact that there isn't affordable housing. It is, and sometimes in order to secure a professional, we're having to um, increase the rate we pay because they have to factor in what it's going to cost them to come and stay here on the island for, say, a six-month contract. So in many cases, Cases we are meeting the financial costs of their accommodation uplift. We have a, an amount of um, hospital-based, um, health and care-based accommodation, which is owned by Manx Care, uh, which we, we do use, but it is always fully occupied. And then we have to go out um, into the sort of more commercial sector to secure property. But again, we are looking at some specific developments in conjunction with commercial partners, which starts to give us increased access to, um, to 
to housing and particularly that housing which will enable newly registered professionals, people at the start of their careers to come and at least have six months of that funded or partially funded in order to attract them in the first place. Because I think when they're here, they love it. They love the organisation and the work and they love the island. Um, But actually just getting here can often be prohibitive when you look at the costs of what your rent is going to cost you if you are, say, a newly qualified registered nurse. Okay, uh, Claire Bader. Claire Bader, just regarding the, the wellbeing partnerships, what part does MCALs play in this? Um, so uh, they're going to be running drop-ins. Uh, they have done a few irregular drop-ins or more ad hoc ones, but now they're going to be doing monthly drop-ins at each of the wellbeing partnerships. Um, so do keep an eye out for that. That means that if you want to support, talk to a real person rather than just down the telephone, uh, there'll be somebody there to listen to you, whether you've got a compliment, whether you've got some feedback, or whether you just want to ha- feel that you're ex- experience has been heard by somebody uh, so we work very closely with them um, uh, just give and how long have you been involved with the western well-being partnership so there? i've been in the lead role since uh, for nearly two years uh, but i was involved in the project side of things before that okay so what uh, in those two years what's What's there now that wasn't there before on a concrete basis for for people in the West? It's very difficult to say, really, because I came in during COVID um, and obviously COVID affected a lot of what we could uh, provide. Sometimes we had periods of times where we weren't having as many face to face appointments. So what's lovely now is that, you know, particularly for the last year, we've had everything's been face to face. People have been able to come in. We can do drop ins. We can be responsive. Um, We've tidied the garden up through lots of different kind of volunteers groups and things which is just really nice and I know it's a very small thing but you know just little things like that have been great we're connecting in with DEFA with their small energy scheme as a depot so we can hand out things for people who are really struggling to keep their homes warm um, and we've just really been able to bring more and more partners on board who can borrow the space hold clinics and actually I kind of used to say that we had some quiet days in the centre but most days most of the rooms are occupied which okay. is really good. Okay can you tell Tell us what the friends and family test is. Friends and family, uh, when you kind of give feedback to uh, Manx Care about your experience, uh, there's a QR code uh, or there's a form if you're not so tech savvy. Um, so we all have uh, forms available which will just kind of let you give some feedback, whether that's good, positive or just um whether everything was on time really you know anything we're happy to hear uh, uh, anybody's experiences and learn from them okay david hi david you're live with the team from manx care hello there hi um about 14 years ago um i needed a hernia operation and on manx radio you had a guy from the uk who specialized purely in that field and he told me that when I went to the hospital to elect for keel surgery, because I could go back to work either the next day or the day after, um, I was told that if the surgeon couldn't do keel surgery, he was a dinosaur. I think you know what's happened next. Um, I elected for keel surgery and he said, we don't do it. Has anything changed? Or have we still got dinosaurs up the up at Nobles? Um, No, we haven't. We have a range of of surgical techniques used by our surgeons and um, uh, part of the development we have made um, in response to getting down um, our waiting lists and doing the restoration recovery work is also to bring Synaptic as some additionality partners into into Manx Care. Um, So 
I guess for every single surgical procedure, there will be different techniques. But but what you've described is available and there are surgeons who can do that technique. If they can't, they would refer you. But um, as, as you know, there'll always be a complexity of surgery that we recognise that we can't do locally. And we would always refer those patients by their surgeon across to the UK. Um, but where we can, we will always use those uh, up to date techniques and um, offer a wide range range of surgical options. Okay, so what happens when these people go back? Have we got a resident surgeon that can do keyhole surgery? Um, so we're recruiting surgeons all the time and we have recruited two new two new surgeons, but but yes, um, the the, the uh, Keyhole surgery is now standard um, and uh, part of the skill set of our of our surgical teams. Right, okay, that's great. Okay, thank Thank you you. for calling. Good to hear from you, David. Thanks for that. Francis uh, dropped a note in on 762. Um, Can you, Teresa Cope, please pass on my my sincere gratitude to the Cardiac and CPAP Clinic at Sweet D at Nobles. Outstanding and professional dedicated team. Simply the best ever, says Francis. Uh, Thank you for that. And Lynn just says, uh, can you ask uh, Teresa uh, an update on the Balasala Medical Centre? Yes, so um, I think as we've reported through our public board, um, the Balasala senior uh, GPs have uh, expressed their desire to hand back their contract. Uh, We are currently looking for a new provider to come and run Balasala for us. Uh, We are looking at a different range of of options. One of those options could be for another practice to come and come and run uh, Balasala, other GPs to come in and, and, and run the surgery, or for Manx Care to take it over. And um, I think what we would want to do is is absolutely assure patients that um, we are looking at all options to keep the practice open um, and to continue that contract under a under a new leadership arrangement. Um, so patients who are uh, registered with Balasala you will continue to have care there. Um, And we have given those assurances to the practice team. Uh, We are literally in very regular meetings. I'm in meetings several times a week um, as we progress through this uh, with the the view that the contract will end with the current senior partnership uh, at the end of July. Okay. Uh, And again, the public don't see your problems. Um, Probably they don't care about your problems. They just see that there may not be. And it's alarming for some people. It's disconcerting. So, I mean, can you assure them that the worst case scenario is that you'll take it over? Yes, and we've given that commitment publicly. Um, as I say, we're looking at options. Other practices may wish to to take over Palazala, uh, but Manx Care absolutely wants to secure that service going forward. And this is why, you know, primary care at scale and the developments we're doing and the locality hubs are also incredibly important for the future sustainability of, of primary care services on the island. And by primary care, we're not just talking about GP services. Services. We're talking about community pharmacies, uh, optometry, uh, 
and dental services. They all need to go through transformation and we need to stabilise all of those services. Uh, so we have really good out-of-hospital provision. And that was one of the key recommendations of Sir Jonathan and why primary care at scale particularly is, is going to be a key focus of Manx Care going forward. Uh, now we've considered the sort of operating model uh, and the business case and the strategy through the board uh, over the last three, three to four months. I got a message in from Bill who just said uh, <clears throat> an extra £1.1 million would help Manx Care cut costs. Maybe they could take the money from Manx Radio and give it to Manx Care. Well, thank you, Andy. Yes. yes. Gratefully, gratefully received. We'd be playing Justin Bieber and Ed Sheeran if that were the case. I had amazing service from the Guernsey Bank Skipton International this week. It's not often you get to speak to a real human. Their follow-up was fantastic and switching my savings account was so easy and quick. Is that why you chose Skipton? No, I saw how competitive their savings rates are, so I gave them a call on 01481 730 730. Turns out it was easier than I thought to move my account to Skipton. Skipton International is licensed to take deposits by the Guernsey Financial Services Commission and is a participant in the Guernsey Banking Deposit Compensation Scheme. Details at dcs.gg. Terms and conditions apply. Construction waste today. Tells recycle for another day. A builder's skip or two. Tells skips will bring to you. At Tells Skip Hire and Waste Disposal in Snugborough, you only pay for the waste you bring. For waste disposal and skips, give us a call on 677-137. That's 677-137. Visit Tells today or find Tells Limited on Facebook. Call Tells Skips today. 677-137. Ladies, gentlemen and children, Stage Ed are back with the West End Easter School, 17th to the 22nd of April at Balakameen High School Studio Theatre. Great! Get a taste of the limelight working with Western Musical Theatre Professionals in a fun-filled week, working on shows such as Back to the Future, Matilda, Harry Potter and much, much more. Perform in the end-of-week showcase. Courses for 6 to 10 and 11 to 18. Booking now at stage-ed.com. The West End Easter School, 17th to the 22nd of April. Supported by Tower Insurance and your nation station, Manx Radio. Jump aboard the time train and take a trip back to the 1960s on Carnaby Street every Saturday morning at half past eight with Isle of Man Railways. It's full of 60s hits and memories. On board the time train, Gladys the Tea Lady. Right, boys? Harry the Driver. Hello, crispy old mate. Roger the Fireman. All aboard Isle of Man Railways time train. Oh, and Raffles the Dog. <laughs> and of course, you and me. You can win tickets for two for one of the Isle of Man Railways fantastic dining car experiences. Carnaby Street, half past eight on Max Radio on AMF. FM online on smart speakers and all over the world at manxradio.com. The Man in Line with Andy Wint. Pastor Mike, good afternoon. Manx Care's Chief Exec, Teresa Copes here, Gary Lord from the Northern Wellbeing Partnership and Claire Bader from the Western Wellbeing Partnership. Uh, let's give a plug to the Southern uh, one, Claire. Where is it? When is it? Uh, so the Southern Wellbeing Partnership is based down in Tyrosin in Port Erin uh, and they're open the same kind of time frame that we are in the West, so 9 to 5 and there's a drop-in and they've got a lovely entrance and they've got a warm space as well so you can just go and hang out if you're feeling a little bit chilly. Uh, 
they also do a drop-in on a Friday afternoon in Castletown at the GP practice, which we don't often get people going, so we, we, we're trying to advertise it a little bit more. Um, and the Southern Wellbeing Partnership covers three GP practices, so the Balasala, Castletown and the Southern Group practice. So it's quite a, it's a much bigger area and they get a lot a lot of the referrals go through the Southern team. They're, they're brilliant and uh, uh, good partnerships there with the Southern Befrienders um, and the Southern Men in Sheds. OK, uh, Sally dropped a note in just to say, uh, what role does Manx Care play in helping to assist vulnerable adults who are leaving custody with securing appropriate housing? Teresa Cope. Yep, so we have a, a an after-care service and this is all linked with our sort of children's social care and, and youth justice uh, programme. So we do um, we do take an active role in um, assisting uh, young people coming out of custody and resettling. Uh, but I think, you know, there is certainly more to do. And this comes back to the sort of housing issue. Housing is in very short supply. Um, landlords can be... Uh, quite choosy about who they have as their tenants and we know a lot of care leavers um, do struggle to find accommodation which is why we have a partnership with another organisation who helps and supports care leavers um, for all aspects of their, their life but including how they secure housing and ongoing support move into um, employment uh, continuing their education if, if they wish. Many people won't know that was part of your remit no and i think people probably don't understand the you know the breadth of manx care services including all of those sort of social care elements of of service uh, youth justice um how we work really closely with the island man constabulary how we are have a role in in safeguarding mm. and developing the multi-agency safeguarding hub in conjunction with isle of man police which will launch later this 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 year which is really how we all should work really um a lot of young people or a lot of people who have vulnerabilities are known to a number of agencies so they are just not known to health and care they are known to the constabulary they often have connections into education and this is why you know how we work with the well-being hubs has to link back into communities where there is uh, locality representatives from other agencies who we can um, who, who we can link with. Um, you know, one of the meetings we were in recently um, up uh, up in the north with with Gary was the connectivity between um, sort of people who are very very vulnerable and the role the police play in that, but also the role of social care and and ultimately Manx care and how we must share information and intelligence intelligence and uh, do our very best collectively to support those individuals who are vulnerable. Okay. Uh, hi, Steve. You're live with Manx Care today. Uh, good afternoon, Andy and everyone else. Um, thank you for having me on the show. Um, I have a quick question. Um, is, you know, with the Manx Care having issues with finance and struggling... Um, if you can, Steve, put, put the phone closer to you. you we get that's a, a it's a bit remote at the moment. Oh, pardon, pardon me. Um, can you hear me now? Is this all right? It's a bit better. Yep. Okay, I hope you can hear me. Um, anyway, I had a question about the you know with the issue that uh, makes care and many other departments are struggling financially. Um, is it? Uh, with the recent news of um, teachers having uh, many, many, uh, that's right, 90, 90 plus teachers being off with an illness, 
from stress and other related uh, issues. Just Mike's care, I struggle with the same issue. Uh, I'm asking because uh, somebody close to me has experienced um, what sounds like fraud in a way, and I'm going to be delicate about this, but it would be like somebody having booked a holiday and then being sick days, two days before their holidays, and then coming back from the holidays, being paid for the holidays, and being paid for the sick. And this is, it seems habitual, and there are repeat offenders with minor illnesses that are uh, being paid continuously. And I just wondered if anybody, if, you had, if that was an issue uh, with Mike's care, because also when I was, I used to work in an office, and they had formulas for people who were habitually calling in and whatnot, and they would, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they had reason not to pay them or not to suspect they were ill. As, is that something that Mike's care is, uh, is concerned about? Um, hi, Steve. Yes. Um, in in short, yes. So we have a sickness absence policy. Uh, so we look at that on a monthly basis, um, and we have details right down through all services in the organisation. So we understand the rates of sickness for the various departments, uh, the reason um, why people are absent from work, um, and some of the patterns. Um, and then we have a policy in place which supports people to return to work. How we move people through the process if um, if there are long periods of ab- absence. So there is a lot of scrutiny, uh, both from the board, but right down through the organisation, down to service levels, making sure that we are supporting people to remain at work wherever possible. We are monitoring sickness absence um, and we are you know, doing what we need to do. Our sickness absence rate across the organisation is between um, 7 and 8% ordinarily with a little bit of, of COVID brought into that. Um, when we were at our height of, of the pandemic, we were seeing absence rates of, of up to 15%, but but that was uh, primarily as um, as a result of the pandemic. So we, we have a sickness absence rate of, of around 7%, which if you think about the totality of the uh, uh, vacancy factor that we talk about being 20% that does add an extra pressure into those op- operational services so it is something we are very very conscious of to monitor very closely and to make sure we are supporting everyone to remain at work Okay, thanks Steve yeah. Thank you very much, I appreciate the answer Thank you. Okay, good to hear from you uh, We're with Teresa Cope uh, today Gary Lord and Claire Bader from the Wellbeing Partnerships on Manx Radio. Uh, just a note in regarding what you were talking, and again this kind of uh, under the radar service that you give to people leaving custody a note in that this is Wendy who just said the high bailiff was critical uh, of a lack of appropriate support for some people leaving the custody system and the fact that this is multi-agency obviously you dovetail with home affairs uh, regarding this uh, are you I mean, are you content with this are you happy with this is it going in the right direction I think it's definitely going in the right direction. Um, We have a safeguarding board for the island and that has all of the statutory organisations as as partners on that. So I sit on that board alongside the Chief Constable and the Chief Officers for the Department of Home Affairs, the Department of Health and Social Care um, and the Department of Education. And we all 
look at the same um, policies, procedures, issues. When we do serious case reviews, we are all contributing to understanding when things have gone wrong, what has gone wrong, and then how do we learn both individually for our own organisations, but collectively across the system. And hence, you know, the the development which we agreed uh, sort of about a year ago with Isle of Man Constabulary around this multi-agency safeguarding hub is is an absolute recognition that it is so important we we share information and we work really closely with our partners we do anyway but actually this takes it to the next level so um, there is always more and more work to do particularly in the safeguarding space particularly around how we support our most vulnerable uh, people in our systems um, but I am I am content that we are moving this in the right direction. Okay, uh, live with Manx Care today on Manx Radio. It's uh, a quarter to one if you want to get in touch. Text, email, call or WhatsApp. Morning, let's get this Island Fuels show on the road. Bye, see you next time. That's the Jackson household topped up for winter. All done, that's the school heating sorted and a few more homes. A nice bit of lunch then, back to the depot. So, it's the plant and machinery this afternoon and a couple of farms out in the sticks later. Ready for home now. Good job done. Trust Island Fuels for great service, well delivered. Order today. Call Island Fuels on 247 645. They got your whole house in their hands. When you need scaffolding, DPM. On time and on budget, DPM. We'll beat any quote. DPM. We do it all at DPM. DPM promise to beat any like for like scaffolding quote by 10%. So when you need scaffolding, call the friendly experience. DPM Scaffolding Team on 6-1-2000. T's and C's apply. We do it all at DPM. At NFU Mutual in Douglas, we believe the best way to look after our customers is to be based close to them. And so, with an office at Key House on South Key, our great service is always close to home. If you need car, home or business insurance, call in to see us at NFU Mutual for a friendly face-to-face chat. Call us on 674191. That's 674191. Or to visit our website, Google NFU Mutual Isle of Man. Metals, metals, I am the metals. For steel, appeal. The number you need is for steel. That's metals. Metals, I am the metals. For structural steel and cladding, collection or delivery, with installation available too, just call 4Steel. That's 457881. Metals, metals, I am the metals. The Man in Line with Andy Wint. Faster Mike, good afternoon. Uh, we're with uh, Teresa Cope, Claire Bader and Gary Lord on Manx Radio. Uh, Gary, somebody's got a birthday. Who is it? Oh, uh, uh, Helen Dermody. She's the uh, social worker in the north of the island. I just want to say happy birthday to her. And you wanted to talk about vulnerable people as yeah. well. Well, it was just, just on the back of what Teresa was saying before with regards to um, safeguarding. And, and obviously there's been um, quite a few high profile cases with regards to self-neglect and safeguarding recently. And... Um, 
with uh, the Sylvia, Sylvia Manson report, um, there's been a, a pathway pulled together uh, which, which looks at managing the lower level safeguarding uh, cases within the wellbeing partnerships. Uh, the benefit of that is the shared risk, shared responsibility, but also kind of a, an understanding of the locality. I mean, we've, we've, we've noted we, we work with a lot of vulnerable people, as, as I'm sure you're aware, but the benefit of having that uh, weekly uh, multidisciplinary multidisciplinary team meeting which is basically a team where we all get together uh, uh, to discuss complex cases it's been invaluable because we've been able to get things um, dealt with quickly um, and we are we are very much involved with very vulnerable people in the community and, and having that kind of lower level support in the localities has been really beneficial okay um, I'm asking this question I don't know whether you can give me the answer okay. but um, uh, what's the breakdown of male female and age range with vulnerable people with vulnerable people I don't think there's any uh, I, no I, I, we were talking earlier on today. Uh, I've, I've been speaking to some um, nurses earlier on today at Kildare, and we were talk- we had this discussion that I think a lot of younger people probably go under the radar because they, the reason we we, we become aware of old older people with, um, with with these type of issues is because they become unwell. Whereas I think there's a lot of young people out there that probably do live in similar circumstances, but they just don't meet the meet the health service for any reason. So a lot of the people that we've worked with have been older haven't they? Mm. i got a note in uh, just uh, regarding this Gary a note in from Paul who just said uh, um, uh, I'm happy to hear what Max Kerr is saying about vulnerable people because yeah. surely vulnerable people particularly young ones are our responsibility because obviously if young vulnerable people slip through uh, the net bluntly they're going to cost us more money in the long run 100 percent, and i think that's one of the things that like i've said it before but what what i particularly like about the wellbeing partnerships is that early intervention stuff and i would i'd I'd, any anybody who lives in these localities who does struggle or does worry about somebody in the community contact us because it's worth having the discussion with wellbeing partnerships even if you think it's it's silly and it's low mm. uh, it's it's low concern don't contact the wellbeing partnerships and we can have those discussions about what happens if they think they're being a snitch well uh, I, I mean yeah i mean that's that's one of the difficult things i mean normally you, you know you would look for consent for the person but ultimately if somebody is at risk chances are they're not going to give consent and i think it's you it, you know it's a balance of risk really if you feel that the person is 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 at risk then you, you're doing the best thing by telling us we don't necessarily have to act directly on it but i think it's a discussion that has to be had okay uh, good afternoon says john regarding the hernia dinosaur uh, i had hernia surgery on the isle of man in 2017 my experience was completely positive and i was more than happy to leave the clinical decisions to the expert clinicians involved i feel that our medical providers continue uh, to provide an excellent service given all the constraints they're presented with so i just want to say thank you to the medical service providers for ongoing efforts and the services they provide says uh, john of course bad news always travels fastest Teresa Cope. it does it does and um but i know from the sort of information that comes in and the information and feedback we're getting through friends and family that over 90 percent of the people who use our service rate it as good or, or very good and that's really positive obviously we always want to hear when people don't get a good service because it is always important we use that as an opportunity to to learn and improve 
improve. Um, but I, I, you know, I think it's important to to balance that with the majority of people who use our services get a very good service and are very happy with that. The ones who we don't get it right for uh, are the ones we need to hear from because they're the ones that we will use to improve. Okay, uh, Dick, this is now Dick regarding Synaptic. Teresa's twice mentioned uh, Synaptic, but uh, online they and their Scottish holding company in Dunfermline seem very small to entrust millions of pounds of the extra 18 million that Timwell approved for dealing with for dealing with waiting lists as well when they themselves only turn over a fraction of what we've given them. Why were Synaptic chosen and not a more experienced, these are Dick's words, a more experienced agent? Uh, better still, why couldn't we have just booked locum surgeons in and saved ourselves money? Complicated question. Yep, so it is a complicated question. I think just to sort of break it down, uh, Synaptic on are on an approved framework of providers, which means they are already pre-approved by um, the UK NHS and have all of their regulatory checks in place, which enables us to just go and commission them. Um, They are doing it at what we call tariff price. So they have put in a very competitive price, which um, would is far more cost effective uh, than bringing in a series of of locums where we would still need to uh, schedule all of that activity. We have bought an additionality contract whereby which we get the additional nurses, the additional surgeons, the additional theatre staff, and it complements and is in conjunction with our own teams. And that's what we really wanted to to, to do was buy a complete response um, with good governance from Synaptic, um, hence why they were chosen. Are you happy with them? Very happy, very happy. Uh, The outcomes for patients are very, very positive. We've talked here about um, the the volumes of activity they're able to do for us. The the clinical outcomes are very, very good. Um, How they are working incredibly well with our own teams. And that's really, really important for us. Um, And you know that we've got some really good good governance in in place which um, gives us the assurance as a board that we have commissioned a provider which uh, is delivering for us in in line with that contract okay uh, briefly uh, then uh, why are there no school dentists Uh, there should be at least visiting dentists available to all our schools dns 361 uh, yes, I think this is an area which is under a lot of scrutiny at the moment and um, we we definitely would prefer to do that but actually our, our dental contracts uh, and our, our provision offer does need to be re- reviewed um, particularly in light of some of the funding challenges and what's coming through the mandate. Um, we cannot currently offer a service within schools and we're happy to sort of come back to this one Andy because I think it's, okay. it's a, an area where there's a lot of of um lot of scrutiny and a lot of discussion well, everybody at the everybody thinks the area area is the most important <laughs> don't they it, <laughs> they do it's uh, they do. Uh, sometimes it's an impulse purchase uh, finally this is from jeff and this is for all three of you really uh, how do your guests feel about the criticism that there's just too many department heads clerical staff and not enough troops on the ground and possibly that is why services are falling down just a thought says jeff Teresa cope too many chiefs not enough indians yeah we do we do hear this all the time but actually um you know what we try and do in in health and care is let the people who have all the clinical skills 
um, spend as much time doing those clinical activities as possible and they will always need administrators and support staff wrapped around them in order to deliver and for us to deliver comprehensive services and assure the public um, you know around the standard of, of, of those so I, I hear it a lot um, you know, I'm a clinician by background. I'm also an NHS manager, uh, but I know one do- one doesn't work without the other. Okay, uh, thanks for being with us today, Gary. Good to see you. Thanks Thank for being you, with yeah. us, thanks and also Claire Bader at the Thank Western Wales Beering Partnership. Uh, just a quick word, and uh, Teresa, uh, a lady called Helen phoned in and just said, "I really liked Andrew, um, the chairman. Where's Andrew?" Andrew isn't well at the moment, unfortunately, uh, uh, and. We won't say any more. He's just no, he's he's not well, and we all send our very best wishes to him. Okay, thanks for being with us today. Uh, today we've been talking about the Western Wellbeing Partnership, the Northern Wellbeing Partnership, with Claire Bader and Gary Lord and Teresa Cope from Manx Care. We didn't get through everybody's questions. Sorry if we didn't, but I've no doubt Manx Care will be, be be back before the end of the year. Back to an open line tomorrow at high noon. Thanks to Chris Quirk. W- See